Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Jack Bauman. He is the founder and CEO of Guidester, which is changing the face of modern travel planning by providing personalized travel for any destination in the world. Hello, Jack. Hi, Mish. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So this is going to be so much fun because you've done a lot of traveling, so you have all kinds of goodies to to tell us and talk about. But start with Guidester. Okay. This is really interesting. This is There's nothing like it that I know of, right? Not that I'm aware you're, of. You're it on this, so tell people what it is. Um, in a nutshell, I've created a company that focuses on the experience you have when you arrive. So you could maybe say we're like a highly custom guide. Okay. But there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, So really anybody that's traveled, especially overseas, understands the amount of work that goes into not just planning a trip. So travel agents, for example, which I get all the time. Are you a travel agent? I can book and plan it like a travel agent. But what makes me completely unique is flights, hotels, all that's booked, right? Right. Then what do you do? Right. Travel agents, travel companies, tour companies, unless you have a tour guide, you know, if you're going to Italy and you, 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 Venice, Florence, Rome, and then you book your flights and hotels, whether you do it on your own or use a travel agent, then the hard work begins. What to see and do, how to get around, cultural information, when things open, are there festivals, are there concerts, open air markets, so on, so on, so on. And what ends up happening is people typically, they typically travel unprepared. Um, So what happens is they either don't have the time to do the research or they don't really know where to get the information. Because now that everything's online, the name of the game is now filtering all that, spending 40, 50 plus hours filtering it all. And then once you have all the data, what do you do with it? Do you you write it in a notebook? Do you put it in an Excel spreadsheet? And then again, TripAdvisor, is that credible? Is, is, Is that blog that guy wrote five years ago credible? Is it up to date? That's true. So what in, you know, kind of, so what makes it unique really is the focus on the experience you have on the ground. All the travel companies really in the world uh, make their money on the booking and planning. I wanted to create a, a company that that could allow that, could could uh, could accommodate that because people do need help with, you know, hotel recommendations, which I completely understand. But that to me is the easy part. I mean, you definitely want a great hotel experience. You, you want a good flight. You want all these things to get you there. But once you're there, that's why you paid the money is to get there and, and see these mom and pop places and the culture and all this good stuff. So it's a way that you can make the most of your travel, really. Absolutely. You know? And save you the stress. So there's really two things here. People either don't have the time right. or they do have the time and they just don't have the expertise. It's the same reason you go get your oil changed. I knew how to change my oil when I was 12 years old. I grew up with a big family, but I still go get my oil changed. Why is that? Part of it's time, but part of it's the expertise. I want them to do a five-point inspection and make sure my tires are rotated and all that good stuff. So having a professional give you the advice on what to see and do on the ground, and then what makes this really unique is it's customized to the experience you want, to the person. So you can go to the, the bookstore, get online, and buy Rick Steves' book of Italy, for example. But Rick Steves says the same thing to Mish as it does Jack Bauman. Right. When you know I'm unmarried, no kids, so when I go to Italy... It's going to be a completely different trip than, a, a, you know, maybe a 45-year-old couple going to Italy or a family going to Italy, right? Right. So, got, yeah. so that's the biggest difference. I was living in Europe. I got my master's in Europe. I traveled all over, the, uh, all over Europe, and, and I've since traveled a lot more. And, and really, that's what it comes down to is what kind of person are you? What's your tolerance comfort threshold? And then what do you want to see and do? 
Right. You know, you go to London and you're a history buff, but maybe you've been to London twice. You, you've seen, you know, the Tower of London. You've seen Parliament. Buckingham did the Palace. touristy stuff. You did the touristy right. stuff. You want to just do a pubs. I've actually worked with a client and he's been to London a dozen times. He just said he just wanted historic pubs. Oh, fun. Because we even map out. We actually map out all the points of interest in your guide. So you can show up in London and you can know how far you are from Salisbury Pub or, or Covent Gardens or Camden Town. How is the guide? Is it is it digital or is it like a book or what does the guide look right, like? Right, so it's both. Oh, cool. Which I think are important. Uh, the younger generation obviously likes everything digital, but I'm technically a millennial, but I still like the print for a couple of reasons. If your phone dies, um, and the digital guide does work without internet, but if your phone dies, you'll have something else. And just to have something tangible, which also serves as a cool memory. A, a souvenir. Of, it's a souvenir exactly. of your trip. So it does come in both. And the digital guide is really special. It's linked to everything, meaning Google Maps. It's linked to the restaurant websites. It's linked to the attractions. You can book tickets right there. That's awesome, Jack. So it's it's a convenient, uh, it's, it's stress-free, convenient, and it really does enhance your vacation. Well, uh, okay, so so do you ever look at Atlas Obscura? I've I've looked at it, but it's not a continu- ten- continuous thing, no. <laughs> this is, I love that. <laughs> See, I love Atlas Obscura because it's all the funky weird stuff to go do at any town. Right. You know, so it's like I'm I'm all for doing touristy things cuz there's some things I just want to go experience. Well, you, have to do, you know, right. I'm like I want to go do that. Right. But I have to do the Atlas Obscura thing as well <laughs> so that I can see the weird funky stuff. Right. And then um so you must like do a ton of research on behalf of these people, especially mm-hmm. if it's very specialized. Like I want to go see historic pubs. Right. There's a lot of research involved. Absolutely. And we, we even take it a step further a lot. I get plenty of clients that um, have food allergies. I had a client going to England and then another client going to Italy that were gluten-free. That is no easy task. No Because Italy, gluten-free... It's, it's changing. Believe it or not, there are more Italians than you'd think that are gluten intolerant um, because when your whole diet is bread-based, yeah. it's kind of difficult to find restaurants that... Well, and pasta and all of that. Right, right. But there are more, especially in the major cities, there are more and more places that you can go buy food and then restaurants that have gluten-free menus. So stuff like that. You know, it's, So it's the major stuff and then the little stuff. And then probably what I'm most passionate about is the little unique nuggets of the places themselves. For example, I don't need you don't need me to tell you when you go to Rome to go to the Vatican. Everybody's right. heard of the Vatican. But did you know that you can climb the dome of St. Peter's Basilica to get sweeping 360-degree views of Rome? I did not know that. Most people that go to the Vatican, I've talked to many that, no, I didn't even know it was there. There's not a big sign saying this way to the... To the elevator. So you get like secret insights. Right. I wouldn't say that is a particular secret, but another one that I love to tell people, which kind of is a secret, which shouldn't be, is there's a side entrance to the Louvre in Paris called the Porte Lyon. So there's the main, you know, the glass pyramid? Yeah. That you see pictures? Yes. If you go in pretty much any time from June to like September, it's going to be a three hour long wait. It, well, and it's like, we. I went really early, like really early uh-huh. so that I could beat the crowds. Uh-huh. And it was just tons of people all at once and as right. soon as those doors opened people were like Hurrying. running oh, to yeah. get into there where they wanted to go and i was like oh my gosh this is this is not very comfortable no. it was just sort of chaotic it's stressful and yeah you either one of two things happens you're stressed out and, and it clouds you experience you're having because who wants to wait in line or get herded like cattle right or you just look at it and you say the hell with that i'm not doing it 
So there's a how do you get to this? So you, do you get to just go anybody, or do you have to make anybody. reservations? No, anybody. Get out of town. It's just a smaller entrance. Is all it is. It's a very small entrance across the well around the corner. There's nothing secretive about it. Really, just it's it's delving deep. The problem with tourists, especially American tourists, we like to follow signs, right? This way well, to that yeah. place. But but the, the good stuff isn't often signed for a reason. But I wouldn't even think to myself as, hmm, I wonder where the secret entrance is. <laughs> I mean, that just wouldn't dawn on me to go look for, I wonder if there's an alternate entrance. That's why I do but what I But I know do. people that do, and that's what's cool. And right. so you've taken your own natural questioning curiosity about right. where you are, and yeah. then you've turned it into a business. Yep. And I then, love it. And then combine the, the sites with the cultural stuff, which again is something I'm really passionate about. To me, traveling is more than the seeing of sites. Absolutely. It's the experience of a culture. It's the understanding of a culture. Uh, I'm actually going to start my own. It probably won't be a podcast. I'll start like a Facebook Live, but it's going to be called Culture Class. Uh-huh. And I love just educating people. Why Why do Italians act this way and French act this way? And how, how do you engage a German and, and, and what the differences are and what makes them tick. Right. Because it's more than just the German eat schnitzel and the French eat baguettes. It's so much more than <laughs> of that. Of course. There, yes. there, there, there's ways of thinking, worldviews. Uh, you know, obviously religion plays a, a big role in it and culture, uh, you know, the, uh, the sort of pop culture in the country. Um, so the guides that I provide everybody, even, even in the United States, you know, there's places that are different than others. I provide a cultural guide section and it's you know, uh, everything from the tipping etiquette to adapters, practical information to what makes them tick. Uh, like in, in Italy, for example, an aperitivi, what is an aperitivi and, 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 and when do they eat? Why, why is it that everybody's out at 11 PM eating dinner? Why is that? You know, <laughs> you're right, and, right, and, and right. Because, and, and, or why do I go to a store and everything's closed at 2 PM? Yes, right? you know, exactly. I was just in Southern Spain. I was in, uh, uh I, I was going to say, do they still do that in Spain? Oh, yeah. Closed from two to five? It, but but it, no, every place is different. Uh, oh. So some do, some don't. Okay. And it's also different on regions. For example, the south is way slower than the north. Okay. The, the northwest is, is a little bit more industrious than the south. The south is a lot of vineyards, uh, a lot of oil, or uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. Olive oil. Uh, gotcha. Just, okay. You know, so, I was on the oil. I didn't know we were. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So the you know the uh, these olive oil plantation, these vineyards, and and yeah, it's very low key, laid back. But that's not the whole of Spain. That's just certain parts, and right. certain parts are more intense than others. But yes, they definitely do that. And I've talked to Americans that are super frustrated. You know, they read on TripAdvisor, go to this, you know, the chateau, whatever, whatever, and it's be- this beautiful wine and dine experience. They get there, it's closed. So Guidester goes the extra step and we actually say opening times, you know, they close between these times. A lot of times they might be closed on a certain day. Museums in particular are bad about that. Right. They'll close and, you know, they have to close at some point for cleaning, but they'll do it on random days, like a Monday or a Tuesday. Oh, gotcha. Right. You know, I had a client who came to me and he's been to the same castle three times. He's never been inside. Because oh. it was closed for construction. There was a, an event going on. It was a wedding. And then the third one was a Monday. All of that's on the website. But again, right. if you're going on a 10-day trip, you're probably going to see three, four, five things a day. So you're talking, you know, five times 10. You're talking anywhere from 40 to 50 sort of like websites that you have to go to, read, 
opening times. Is there any special events, exhibits? Who has time for that? Yeah. So Jack, that's, Jack's got time for that. Well, our, produ- <laughs> our, our production team has time for that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And that's, so the, I, I did all it, the research myself. I've been in business three years and now we actually have a whole team of people that produce all this content. This is fascinating. We're, we are going to take a quick break. Okay. We will be right back with Jack. We are back with Jack Bauman from Guidester. So you are, I, I'm, we're friends on Facebook. We are. <laughs> so I get to see all the things you're doing. Your nephew's way adorable, by the way. You must be a great uncle because you're always doing fun stuff with them. I try to be. Those and kids must be like, woo, Uncle oh, Jack's showing that, it's up It's funny today. how kids, they, they, some days, so excited to see me. The other days, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why like, are you so here? The, the, elder, the <laughs> eldest is actually Jack. So I call him Little Jack, LJ. And they, they just have these strong personalities. And he's gotten to that point. Like I was giving him, I was giving him a little, you know, he doesn't like to be called Little Jack because he's, he's 10 now or oh, nine. So, wow. so right. he's, he's, he's MJ, he's medium Jack. Medium Jack. He's medium Jack. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I'm BBJ, I'm big baby Jack. I love it. So he, he's got this, you know, so I, that's what I told him. I go, I'm, you know, he was, I was giving him a little bit of trouble. We were watching a Christmas Carol and Tiny Tim. I was like, Hey, Little Jack and Tiny Tim, you guys would be best of friends. And he gave me this look. He was not happy. Yeah. Was, Jack, why do you tease me? You know, and, and sometimes they'll say, you know, I wish, because I, they have two uncles, I have a brother, you know, Nathan's the best uncle. I'm like, mm, yeah, <laughs> when you actually add up all the things, I'm over here taking you to these things, come on. So it's funny how kids, their memory is like small, you know, they're right. so happy to see you this day and then the next day they got... They're distracted. They don't. They don't. They don't care at all. I'm playing games. I'm playing games. Or the littlest one. His, his thing is dinosaurs. So if cool. he's into dino mode, don't even try. Well, when Jurassic Park actually opens, you can take them because you're right. all about the travel. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, yeah be, you'll know Sorna. the secret entrance door. Right. I'll know how to actually co- talk to the Velociraptors and the and the T Rex. Yeah, there the, you and, go. Because you will have studied and researched. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I right. love it. And you were doing some other interesting things. So tell me about Churchill Live. Lives. Lives. Right. Churchill Lives. Churchill Let's hear lives. it. So we are putting together a special tour called Churchill Lives, which is an exclusive high-end tour of Southern England with Winston Churchill's great-grandson leading the tour along with me and one of the world's foremost impersonators of Churchill. And we're going to visit the highlights of his life, starting in London, you know, going to Parliament, uh, the war rooms, and, and, you know, seeing the things that he actually interacted with, along with some of the other major sites, obviously. Going to Cambridge, where he went to school, Blenheim Palace, where he was born, the largest palace in England, uh, Arundel Castle, one of the largest castles in England, uh, where the Duke of Norfolk gave his funeral, Windsor Castle, which played a vital role in the, in the, in the Battle of Britain uh, and the Siege of Dunkirk. You know, there was a movie, Dunkirk, that just came out. And so he's going to, we're going to be going and this impersonator is going to be giving his, these famous speeches in these locations. Oh my gosh. So if you're a history buff, mm-hmm. this is so awesome, yeah, right? Yeah. Are you a history buff as I, well? I have a master's in archaeology, so I, I like it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just slightly. So that, the, okay, so that plays into everything you're doing as well, right? Because you can share yeah. that kind of information with people. That is so cool, right? And when that, is this? How is this? Is this like a group tour kind of thing? Or it is. So it's 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 an exclusive tour, limited to only sixteen people. 
So eight couples, uh, and you know, it doesn't have to be married couples. It can be father and son or whatever, but 16 people is the max. Okay. And it is going to be running September 2018. So we're launching it officially this week. Uh, and you can actually go to the website now, churchilllives.com. It'll tell you when it's launching. And we've got a video that explains the whole thing and then an itinerary. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very exclusive, high-end. Everything's included, airfare, hotel, um, you know, and these entrances and everything. But we've even taken it a step further. We're, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to make a connection at the Houses of Parliament. So we have an exclusive private dinner at the Houses of Parliament with a member of Parliament with Winston Churchill and Jonathan Sands, oh the great-grandson. Oh my gosh, grandson. how cool. So we'll be in the palace. So it's called Westminster Palace. It's parliament. If you see, if you hear Westminster Palace, you're talking about parliament. And it's, it's you know, you've obviously got the chambers, the House of Lords, the House of Commons. And then there, it's just this giant complex. And American citizens actually can't tour it. You have to be a UK resident to tour certain parts of the parliament. Um, so we're going to get to do that. That alone is a cool thing because we get to see things that American uh, citizens can't. And then we're going to have that private dinner, you know, so palace, giant, you know, all, everybody on the tour, plus our uh, talent, plus the, a member of parliament. Um, and I don't know from what area of England yet he'll be, but he'll be an actual like, you know, house, of, you know, like an actual congressman. That's so cool. And yeah. so um, <laughs> are you going to video it? You should have, oh yeah, there'll, yeah. Be a, there'll be a hope. You, so you have to do a documentary. EG Media is our partner, and they're 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 the ones. Don't we love EG? Hello, <laughs> Scott and Ted. <laughs> so they're coming with us, and they're going to be filming the whole thing. And then each uh, participant is going to get their own DVD, their own video of the experience, highlighting them. So technically, there'll be sixteen videos for each for each person. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, wow, really? Yeah, it's 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 a big That's deal. That's a big project. We've been working on it for about a year now. So it's definitely been a lot of work, a lot of great people involved, um, a lot of talent, and I'm excited. If it goes well, we could... I, this I, could be a thing. It could be a thing. You know, we run these a couple times a year, but I, then I want to do... I could do Roman history tours. I could do, you know, Southern French historical tours, Napoleon tours. I could... Right. I love to mix history and culture uh, and and fun all in it you know go to a place to see some sites is great but you know you got to have a, something else there's there's something else that makes these things well special. yeah and and that and the, I mean it's like so memorable I mean vacations are memorable right. I mean they are because they're vacations but this takes it up to the super memorable <laughs> level right. and you know and that you get to say I got to do this I got to do that I mean things that people don't normally get to do yeah you got to be in Dover Castle, watching Winston Churchill give his famous speech, fight on the land, we fight on the beaches, we will never surrender. Oh, very. Yeah. You could be the impersonator as well. <laughs> oh, gosh. I do not have a good accent. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying. Like I said, my, I don't have the voice for it, but um, yeah, I need to take a an accent class or a pronunciation class. There you class, go. You, you know, just like take the class. Yeah, I don't know if they have those over there. I'm sure they do. I mean... It was also that it was funny because I, I this and we talked about this on break about how I had taken a class while I lived in Spain to learn how to sound like a Spaniard. Right. And what ended up happening is every time I would get into a taxi cab, 
the the driver would always say, I can't place your accent. What part of Spain are you from? Oh, so well, the that's, thought that they good... even thought I was from Spain was oh, kind of wow. cool. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm from the middle of the United States yeah, in this place Midwest. called St. Louis, which no, nobody ever knew. They never knew. They, it's like everybody knew Chicago, New right. York, and San Francisco. And Miami. And, and then, yeah, and where yeah. Disney World is. Right. That was about it. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's like we know those places and we don't know anything else. Like, yeah. you know, right. Um, but how that's really cool. Okay, so. Yes, you have now taken Guidester and you've got it to this whole other level. And yeah. are you going to do a book for everybody going on the Churchill list? Oh, yeah, lives? they'll have. So it'll, this will be a fairly structured tour. So the guides that I do are mostly for self-guided travelers, um, which is how most people travel. You know, you book your trip to Italy and you might do a tour or two in some of the major cities, but then you're left on your own. Right. This will actually be a fully structured tour where we're actually, we'll have a local tour guide, a chauffeur, the whole, the whole nine yards, but there will be downtime. And so part of the memoir is, yeah, the, I will do a book for everybody, but this is an instance where they won't get as much out of it because everything's already done. Right. In London, we'll have a little bit of downtime, um, but once we leave London, it's fairly structured on, you know, what we're seeing and doing. And, you know, again, these are some of these things the public can't do. You know, Blenheim Palace, we're going to get a private tour of Blenheim Palace. We're going to see not only the state rooms, uh, actually, so I've been to Blenheim twice. I was just there in June. And it's amazing. It's a beautiful palace, but you just don't get to see much as, right. as like sort of a layman, as an, a, a tourist. Um, so I'm, I'm really passionate about seeing as much as you can and sort of delving into it. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a client who went to a palace and, and he said, you know, this is really neat, but this is a lot of house for one person. <laughs> and they just couldn't wrap their head around it. But this is, again, why I love getting a backdrop in historical context because you have to understand these, these estates, they weren't built just for the Duke of Norfolk. No. They, they, were, they were built to house a community. And that community contributed to the greatness of, at that time, you know, in the 17, 18, 1900s, the greatness of the English empire. So, you know, they produced textiles and wools and, and farming. And, and then everybody that worked the ground all had jobs and then they contributed to the economy. So it wasn't one guy like today. With you, his 18,000 rooms to go like check Bill, out. Like, like a guy like Bill Gates. Right. He's got some servants and stuff, but mostly it's a house for Bill Gates and his wife and maybe his family. Back then, they were really the caretakers, really the, the paterfamilias of the entire community. So it, right. it's just a, it was a different way of life and a different social structure than we have today. Well, we're going to take another break, but I just wanted to offer that if you need um, Sam and I to go as the podcast team, we're happy to raise <laughs> our hands. <laughs> we'll be right back with Jack Bauman. <laughs> And we are back with Jack Bauman. Okay, it's question time. Okay. This was hard. I mean, I, you would think <laughs> that I would like come up with these so easy, but but here were the things I really wanted to ask you. So first, you love culture, of, and I love that part. So what is the most astonishing or amazing tradition you experienced or saw in any of your travels? Tough one. First thing that comes to mind is New Year's Eve in Scotland, in the Highlands of Scotland, full-on kilt, three-piece suit, in a, in a small town called Stonehaven. <clears throat> and um, they have, so in Scotland, it's called Hogmanay, is okay. what they call New Year's. 
and they have this tradition. Hogmanay actually, this tradition started in this town. It's uh, kind of the highlands at the threshold of the highlands uh, near Aberdeen. And there's a small town, like I said, called Stonehaven. And every year, every Hogmanay, they get these locals and they obviously everybody's in kilts and they, they, I mean, pitch black through the village and they wave these giant fireballs. And these fireballs, these are big men. I could not even wield one of these fireballs. Big men, big Scottish men. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're coming through the town. Everybody, you know, kind of like a parade. Right. Pitch black. I mean, really not a whole lot of lanterns or anything, just dark. And everybody's on either side of the street. And they just come down the street in their kilts, ju- waving these giant fireballs. What, what is it made out of? What? Oh, like like it's you know you know like a uh, like a torch, like Indiana Jones. So there, there you know there's some wood, some oil. I don't I don't know. And I didn't just touch it. Whooping these things. No, it's around. connected to a chain. Oh, okay. And like, so if they stop, it'll fall. So they have to keep the momentum going. And they and then they wave it around their heads. You know, you seen like these fire people, uh, like people that mess yeah, with fire, right, right. Yeah. like on the street. Right. It's that, but with a giant fireball. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Just really for that extra challenge on New Year's. It's been, but it's been, go- <laughs> it's been going on for centuries. For Do you know centuries. where it started? Not a clue. I mean, not they off were, the top of my head. Were they really drunk? Well, I got a good idea. <laughs> it's just. You wonder how some of this stuff gets started. Like, let's make great big fireballs and have a parade. And don't you wonder? Well, yeah. And a lot of them, a lot of these traditions uh, start by happenstance, but they also start by like necessity. So the fire, obviously they didn't have electricity. So, you know, potentially it's, it's, hey, we want to celebrate New Year's and it's pitch black because this is a small village. It was even smaller 500 years ago. So they don't lay a street light hanging out. They're like, let's make a big fire pit or something and, and then people are like well I want to dance and move so maybe we'll take that on the road and this will light our way and, right. and, and we're drinking some whiskey and some scotch and which is a great combination you know, with fire oh yeah oh, oh yeah they can oh yeah they yeah no the, the Scots have no fear they, they, they just don't obviously not no no, oh they, my gosh! How can you imagine doing that in the United States? Like you'd have to sign a whole bunch of papers or be yeah, insurance I actually have, things. We should and, do a whole podcast because that's one of the biggest differences. One of the biggest ironies of America is we are the quote unquote freest country in the world, but when it comes to public displays of individuality, oh, very restrictive. Right, yes, yeah. very well. I mean, I've I've been in Mexico when they do fireworks, and right. they're just like, "Woo! They, oh, let's just care. shoot them wherever." Anywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, you <clears throat> couldn't do that in the states, no. which I'm kind of thankful that we don't do right. it that There's way. There's a threshold. I, want, I think yeah. you take it too far, though. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, it's, it's like no, the whole I nation agree. is for little kids. I agree. And it's like, yeah, don't yeah, touch yeah. this. Don't look don't at do, that. Here's sign these papers. You know, not to do it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Give me a break. Yeah. Okay. Um. Gosh, what do I want to ask next? Okay. So is there anything that you own that goes on every trip with you? Is there something that's like always with you? Yeah, my uh, journal, my travel journal. Um, it's funny you bring that up. I'm conflicted because I can type crazy fast, like 120, 30 words a minute. Right. That's just evolved over time. I've needed to do that. And I'm a really good typer and I prefer typing. I have horrible handwriting. So I'm like, okay, I write in my travel journal because it's tradition going back years and years, but it's very inefficient. So I'm conflicted. I, ha- I have to keep it a, going. But there's a thing about writing as opposed to typing. I mean, right. there's a thing that, sure. especially if you want to, like, I still have to write out my to-do list sure. with my hand, right? Yeah. And a pen, write it it's all psychological. out. Because then I, that's how I remember it. And there's a right. whole thing about that. There is. But when you're going from town to town to place to place to place and you need quick notes, it takes a long time. I got gotcha. you. So, so, so. 
and then it gets to the point where I've taken a bunch of notes in my phone and a bunch of notes in the thing, and I need them to, I need to store them all in one place. So am I storing everything on the cloud? Am I storing everything on my journal and then putting it to the cloud? Because then I'd store it, I write it, but then, right. I, then I need to convert it. I like it though. It's like kind of romantic the whole well, journal thing. Well, and the French to Trevi Fountain. So it's a, it's a suede, it's like a neat, uh, it's not just a, a journal. It's actually, right. you know, it has, it's not just some notebook that no, you picked up at I got Walmart. It for a pre- my mom got it for me for a present years ago Aww. and I've used it ever since. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> See, there, there's a whole thing around it. All right. So right now at this very, very moment, mm-hmm. what, what place do you think people do not know about that they should totally go travel to? I mean, we all know like there's, you know, there's places everybody knows about, N- Never right? heard of or, maybe or don't just, travel very much. Maybe that just isn't well known to us. Of the people in your, your your circle, like you say, have you ever been to? And they're like, I never even thought of going there. Wales. Really? People, people have heard of it and people, oh, you know, I actually have met people that are like, where is Wales? But most people at least know it's somewhere in Britain. Right. Everybody goes to England. Everybody goes to Scotland. Wales well, they don't go to Wales. Very few. Yeah. Very few. If you, I can see if that. If you went to Wales, most people that go to Wales, I haven't talked to anybody that's been to Wales that didn't have a reason. They have families from there. There was something specific they wanted to see in Wales. Right. Um, the Led Zeppelin song, Stairway to Heaven, was written in Wales. Really? About Mount Snow, Snowden, Snowdonia. They, ah. they were in their you know, little cabin, uh, obviously, they were on a few substances and, <laughs> and uh, they were they were and instead of fireballs they went for a song <laughs> they, they went yeah no they're literally and you can go to the cabin where they wrote it because they were British you know and then they two of them were actually Welsh and so they knew of this beautiful place in Mount uh, Snowdonia which is the national park in northern Wales and uh, most castles of any country in the world, Wales. Um, some of the most spectacular scenery you'll ever see in the world, Wales. Really? More sheep than people. And so you see this gorgeous, lush green countryside dotted with white. Uh, you see that in Scotland and England to an extent, but nothing like Wales. Um, and then it's not touristy. I mean, you go to Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales. That's where I got my master's. You'll see some tourists. But I lived there for almost two years. And I mean, I could count on one hand how many Americans actually like came there. Right. It's other Europeans and other British, but very few Americans go to Wales. I, Interesting. I, I don't know why. It's, and what brought you, I mean, what brought you there? What, what did, what happened that you said, I am going to go to school over there? Uh, the program. So I graduated uh, Mizzou in 2010 and I said, what do I want to do with my life? I love history and travel. Okay, so Indiana Jones. That's what I want to be. I had the leather coat. I got the fedora. You, you got, yeah, you got the oh, jacket no, right no, now. No, no, no. Well, this that's is kind of Indiana Jones. I've got one that's even more so. That's like really? a full because he actually wears a bomber jacket. That's what he wears. And so I've got the bomber jacket, the fedora, and the whip, and all that good stuff. And okay, so I just now I need the degree. I mean, that's the easy part, right? No. So I just started looking around. I knew I wanted to live in Europe, and this was one of the top programs for archaeology. Uh, it, it was right near a Roman um, legionary camp, so a lot of history and archaeology there. Three hours from London, so London, you can get anywhere in the world, so I'm very accessible. I right. didn't want to live in London because nobody cares about Americans in London. They see Americans every single day, 100 times a day. I love being in a place where I'm the oddball. I love it. I, I thrive in these situations where I'm the only one. I'd go to these parties, and I'd be the only American there. I mean, right. I went to, I actually threw some parties and I had a map on my wall and I had people pin where they're from. There was like 30 plus countries and there was like one other in America. It's like Europe, Egypt, South America, Asia. And then, you know, there's like one from Chicago and maybe one from New York and, cool. that, and that's it. So. But I like that too. Like, I mean, I've been places where I'm so off the beaten path and people are wondering what I'm doing there. I mean, right. I mean, I've literally had people say, do you know where you are? <laughs> 
like, well, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I just don't want to always be at the touristy things. I want to go check out, like, what is it like to really live here? And you can get away with a lot. Like, well, so what I've, have you gotten away with? <laughs> well, I met Prince Charles. What? Oh, yeah. I met Prince Charles. I have a picture. I mean, I'm, I'm 10 feet from him. I, I was at a church service with him. and It was private. It wasn't a public event. I totally bluffed my way into that. And it was because if I were a British, they would have said, I don't, whatever. But long story short, I befriended the priest that was there and I saw these police. I knew something was going on and I talked to him and I knew what made English, the the British in general tick. They're very indirect, a little more passive than Americans. So you can't just say, I want to do. Right. You got to say, I'd love to do something like this and let them make the offer. So anyway, I just knew kind of how to talk to this guy and, and we made friends. And then he goes, come back tomorrow at nine. And because he told me that Prince Charles was coming, came back and I got to sit five rows behind Prince Charles and Camilla. And then after the service, he got around and, you know, to shaking right. hands and talking to oh people. Oh my gosh, that's so <clears throat> cool. But again, it goes back to that culture. I never would have gotten that if I didn't have that a little bit of insight into right. how to talk to a, you know, this guy was actually English, um, but British in general have, you know, a different way of talking to just a different way of thinking than Americans do. So I love it. Yeah. So. I'm going to hang out with Jack. <laughs> I think Jack and I got to start hanging out more. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, you would be the perfect person to travel with because you would like one, get everybody into really cool things. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, we'll, have, no, a, we'll I have to have another podcast. I've been in some, you know, not shady situations, but but like, where am I? I'm probably maybe not going to get out of here. Maybe I shouldn't have turned down that street. Or maybe yeah. I shouldn't climb. I've climbed. I once climbed into a castle in Scotland. I scaled the walls. And I mean, you're talking a hundred foot drop to your death, 200 feet drop to your death. It was closed. I traveled all this way to this castle and it's closed. I, 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 did, I wouldn't take no for an there answer. There are no barriers for you. No. No, there's none. I love it. Well, Jack, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you yeah. so much for sharing Thanks this for information. Me. Yeah, high five on that. And if you go to guidester.com, guidester.com, that's where you'll find information. And then there's also a site for the Churchill Lives. Churchilllives.com. Com. Yep. Well, thank you, sir. Smish. I totally appreciate it. I had fun. Thanks for having me on. Awesomeness. And for all of you out there, you have been listening to Mishmash Podcast. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe. Thank you. Have wonderful days. Ciao.